We're preaching on overcoming different areas we've been covering. Um, How many of you would agree with the statement that if you don't know what the problem is in your life, it's going to be hard to solve it? Would you agree with that? If you don't know what the problem is or you don't understand what the problem is and somebody comes to you and says you've got a real problem, it's hard for you to be able to solve that if you don't know what it is. And in a real sense, that's where we are as a country. And that is that we have serious problems. But what we've done for the last 30 to 40 years, we have mislabeled and disguised what the real problem is. You see, our problem is the same problem that started back in the Garden of Eden. It's called sin. Sinful habits that hold us, bind us, and keep us from fulfilling the destiny that God has for us. You see, Satan works overtime at trying to convince you that you don't have a problem. And so what has happened is that our society has tried to change the name, that's why I say mislabel, of what our real problem is. We call sin, we call sin a problem. We call it a weakness. We call it a disease. We call it a sickness. We call it an area of weakness or a struggle. But, you know, you can mislabel it all you want. It doesn't change the truth, and that is the truth is it's sin. Just sin. We have sinful habits that get established in our life. And until we come right up front, face that, we can't be healed. We can't be restored. We can't be delivered until we see what the problem is. You know, there's a scripture in the book of Proverbs chapter 5. It says this. It says, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does. So God's not fooled. God's not, uh, you know, blind. He knows and sees what a man does, examining every path he takes. So God sees clearly. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. Not a problem, not a weakness, it's sin. They are ropes. What What an illustration. They're ropes that catch and then hold him. Interesting. The ropes catch and hold him. He will die for a lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. You see, the truth of it is, is that these sins, they, they come from our nature. We have a sinful nature. Jesus died on the cross to set you free from your sinful nature. He died on the cross to provide forgiveness For our sins, not just forgiveness, but the power and the ability to be set free from that sinful nature. So that we could overcome those sinful habits. You may think that you're caught in those sinful habits. You may think they're ropes that hold you and bind you. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that when he died on the cross, he made a way for you to be set free. There's a powerful verse in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. I want you to see this with me. We're going to go 3, 4, and 5. It says, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only 
from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has done what? He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So Satan has done what? He's blinded us. And so if you're here today and you don't understand anything about God and, and you, you don't understand why in the world we sing, you don't understand why in the world we do what we do, and you kind of think, oh, this is a bunch of foolishness, I just want to say to you, Satan has blinded you. He's blinded your mind so that you can't see that. But in the name of Jesus, I declare that your minds are open to the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. Jesus opens our heart and opens our mind so that we can see the truth. And it's almost like one of those, whoa, wake-up moments where you just wake up and see the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It comes to you. What happened? God opens your mind. He opens your spiritual eyes so that you can see what this is all about. And you can be set free. You can overcome those sinful habits. And here's the thing. Satan convinces you that you're caught in those sins, you're caught in those sinful habits, and he convinces you you can't be set free. He tells you this lie, and it is a lie, but he tells you you're there, you're caught, you'll never get set free, you can't get out, you'll always be this way, and you can never be free. And that's whether it's an action or an attitude. And see, you understand that sinful habits can deal with habits, it can deal with actions, but it can also deal with attitudes. You can have a sinful attitude, and it can destroy your life. Just a general anger, jealousy, bitterness, resentment, uh, you know, just, we can have a lot of attitudes, and they're sinful attitudes. So, what we want to do today is we want to look at what does it take, how do you overcome sinful habits. If these are things that hold us, if Satan is working to blind us, we want to talk about opening our eyes, opening our minds so that God would show us how we can overcome those sinful habits. Number one, repentance. Say the word repentance. Old-fashioned word, but I want to tell you, it's still a necessary way for us to be set free from sin. And I find in today's world that, that, that there's a lot of uh, confusion and, again, a little mislabeling about repentance because some people believe that repentance is to mourn, to cry, to weep, and to be really sorry. But, you know, that's not repentance. And the truth of it is, is that you can mourn and weep and cry and say, I'm sorry, all day long, and then turn right around and keep doing what you were doing. And in fact, you can get pretty good at it. 
You can cry and weep and mourn and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But you know what happens is that we get used to saying, I'm sorry. But what we mean is, I'm so sorry I got caught. Or, I'm so sorry I'm suffering the consequences of my actions. But just be, being sorry that you're suffering the consequences of your actions is not repentance. Repentance is very simple. It is twofold. It is the acknowledgement that you have sinned against a holy God. That your actions are sinful against a holy God. And I say that simply because in the Garden of Eden, the problem was when they sinned, Adam, what did he do? He blamed God. He said, that woman you gave me. (laughs) He blamed God. Eve blamed the devil. So everybody's blaming someone else. That's why it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The very essence of repentance begins by the clear acknowledgement. I have sinned. I have done wrong. I have done the wrong thing. And I have sinned against a holy God. So it's to come clean. It's to not hide, it's not rationalize, not justify, not say, well, I did the wrong thing, but I did the wrong thing because they made me do the wrong thing. That's not repentance. That's just blame shifting. So when you come down to it, the first element of repentance is you get all that aside and you simply acknowledge, I have sinned against the holy God. My actions are wrong. I clearly acknowledge that my actions, my attitudes, they're wrong. They're sinful against a holy God. The second area of repentance, and that is to choose to walk in a new direction. Repentance always has a switching or a changing of direction. And that's why you can weep and mourn and cry and have a lot of remorse but not change direction, and it's not repentance. Because sometimes people think that if I say I'm sorry, that's repentance. But I'm sorry doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to change direction. So changing direction is central to the idea or to the understanding of repentance. So if we truly want to repent... And if we want to be free and overcome sinful habits, this is step one. You will never overcome sinful habits until you start right here. God, I have sinned against the holy God. My actions are wrong. And you understand that the world is working feverishly at trying to convince us that sin is not sin. You know, for the last 20 or 30 years, our culture in America has tried to convince us that premarital sex is not sin, that adultery is not sin. 
We're, we've tried to convince ourselves that pornography is not sin. Unfaithfulness to your spouse is not sin. That if you want to shack up and, and have sex with another person, that that's not sin. That's just, uh, that's just enjoying yourself. Uh, that's not really sin. Oh, God, you wouldn't call that a sin. You see, we, we, we've learned to rationalize and change names of things. But it doesn't change the reality. And in a lot of churches, a lot of people have reached a point where they're afraid to call sin, sin. Because it might offend somebody. Well, if it offends you today that I'm calling sin, sin, then you need to be offended. You need to be offended. Because God is already offended. And if you offend a holy God... You're in a bad situation because you've broken, either you don't have a relationship with him or you've broken that fellowship because Christians sin. Christians fail. Christians make terrible choices. Just because you get born again, just because you love Jesus does not mean that you can't make wrong choices. And so I want to encourage you today. Stop mislabeling. Stop buying the lies of the enemy. Stop buying the lies of culture that say, oh, that's okay. That's not a problem. And I've heard somebody, uh, I was talking with someone recently, and they said, well, you know, I thought about it, but I hadn't done it, so it's okay. Well, you know, Jesus had something to say about this, thinking about it. It's in Matthew chapter 5. If you read the whole chapter in Matthew chapter 5, He really came against that thinking. Look what he said. First of all, he dealt with the area uh, of of murder or thinking uh, about that. And in, let's see, maybe ahead. Yeah, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told uh, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say... Even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you cause someone, excuse me, if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So don't buy the lie that if you just think it, it's okay. Jesus was dealing with the thoughts, the attitudes. Why, why is it so important? Because that's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, guard your heart with all diligence, for from the heart flows the issues of life. You see, what you entertain enters you and defiles you. What we entertain enters us and defiles us. And so that leads us to our second step. And I guess you could say this is the walking out of repentance. And that is stop entertaining sin. Say that with me. Stop entertaining sin. You have to, once you have made that turn, you've acknowledged before a holy God, you've repented and acknowledged what you've done. And you've made the decision to go in a new direction. Then you've got to stop entertaining sin. You've got to guard your thought life. 
You've got to guard your thoughts. Look, if you would, to Romans chapter 13. This is a powerful passage. Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read just verse 11 through 14. It says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove the dark deeds like dirty clothes. So those sinful habits, they're like dirty clothes. You need to take that off. And put on, I love this, put on the shining armor of what? Right living. God's people should be putting on the shining armor of right living. You want to have some armor? You want to have some protection against the enemy? Live right. Do right. Speak right. Do the right thing, and it becomes armor. It becomes the shining armor that declares that you love Jesus Christ, and he is the Lord of your life. And then verse 13, because... We belong to the day. We must leave, live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties or drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity. That's sleeping around. All kinds of sexual immorality and immoral living or in quarreling or jealousy. In other words, Christians, we should have nothing to do with that. That should not be a part of our life. Why? Because we have the shining armor of right living. Now look at verse 14. Instead, we don't want that stuff, but instead, clothe yourself, I love this, with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't let yourself think about evil desires. What is that? That's don't entertain sin. You see, the problem is if you make a turn, you repent and you make a turn, then Satan's going to test you. And you need to understand that you cannot afford to entertain thoughts of it because thoughts, it's like I said, what you entertain, it enters you. And defiles you. And so what we have to do is we have to think about things that are good. And just the example of immorality or let's say being unfaithful to your wife, your husband. Let's say you're at work. And people at work, you're listening. Maybe you're not even on the conversation, but you're listening. And you hear this conversation and a guy is talking about being unfaithful to his wife. And he's kind of talking about how fun it was, how exciting it was, how he got away with it. And his wife doesn't know what's going on. He thinks it's really cool. So what you have is you have opportunity to entertain or reject. Right? You've got an opportunity now. You can think about it, and you can hear it, and you can kind of like, hmm, I wonder about that. Well, that sounds kind of interesting. And you can kind of think a little bit about it, and you can consider it. You can say, well, maybe 
Maybe that's a... But no. You can make a decision to say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Absolutely not. I choose not to have anything to do with that. I reject that thought. I refuse to go there. I refuse to even consider that. And you remove yourself from that thought pattern. If it means you have to get up and leave, whatever. But don't let yourself entertain sin. And it will mean you're probably going to have to go through your friends list. You all have a friends list. Well, just consider just for a moment. Do your friends help you and build you up in Christ, cause you to work, walk a godly life, or do your friends tear you down? Do your friends hurt your walk in Christ? So some of us need to do a little weeding out of friends because you should surround yourself with people who love God. You need to surround yourself with people who love God, people who want to do the right thing. And you need to be able to have the hard attitude to say, Lord, I do not even want to think about that. I, I don't even want to go there in my mind. And I refuse to think about that. If you sit around thinking and entertaining sin, what is going to happen? You're going to do it. (laughs) Why? Because what you entertain enters you. Where does it go? It goes into your heart. The part that he said, guard your heart with all diligence. Well, you just left your heart unguarded and those thoughts have gone into your heart. And now what will happen is you'll find yourself thinking about those things. And it doesn't matter with unfaithfulness, whether it's pornography or a habitual habit like drugs or alcohol, jealousy, anger, bitterness, resentment, hatred, whatever it is, it's still a sinful habit. It's still something that's a rope that holds you and binds you and keeps you from being who God called you to be. And you have to make a decision to say, I'm not going to entertain that. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to consider it. You know, and I, I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, I hear couples do this, and, and I, it, I cringe when I hear it. And then they talk about when they're not getting along and they're arguing and they're having a big fight, they talk about, oh, I ought to divorce you. I'm thinking about getting rid of you. I'm going to trade, trade you in on an earlier model. I just want to encourage you, don't entertain those thoughts. Don't ever let the word divorce come out of your mouth. Don't consider it. Don't even joke about it. You've made a commitment before God to love your husband, to love your wife, and don't go anywhere else. You know, and I remember as a young kid, I heard, you know, I'd hear my mom and dad, they'd be fighting and and I remember was, I probably was seven or eight years old. And, and I remember saying to my mom, I said, Mama, he's being awful mean to you. Oh, if you want to leave, I'll go with you. And like I was going to take care of her. You know, <laughs> I was seven years old. You know, I'm going to defend my mama. Uh, she said, don't ever say that. 
we're not ever leaving. I love your daddy. He loves me even when we fight. He still loves me and I still love him. Don't you ever think about that. My mama wouldn't even let me think about it. And my daddy was far from perfect, I guarantee you. But it is not something you should entertain. And I don't care what sin it is. And I'm not grading sin good and bad and horrible and acceptable. It's all sin. Sin is walking contrary to God's ways. God doesn't have good sin and bad sin, terrible sin and halfway terrible sin. It's sin. Why? Because it's against God's ways. And you, you know the reason God hates sin? It separates you from him. That's why he hates sin. God loves you so much. He cares about you. He is concerned about you. And he knows those ropes of sin will bind you and control you. And as we read in Proverbs chapter 5, will eventually destroy you. Sin is always working to destroy you. Jesus is always working to bring and give you life. And life more abundantly. That's the reason he hates sin. He's not a killjoy. He's not somebody who's just trying to take away all your fun in life. All the sin that we indulge in harms us and hurts us. It's bad for us. And so I want to encourage you. Make the decision not to entertain sin. The third thing that we have to do, and that is, you've got to build up your defenses. You've got to build up your defenses. Why? Because Satan is going to come back to test whatever ground has been taken away from him. How many of you have ever been called by a telemarketer? Let me see your hand. Oh, my. Okay, let me specify that. How many of you have ever got this phone call? Hello. Congratulations. You have won a brand new weekend at our famous resort. Here's the clincher. We're calling you because you have stayed in one of our resorts before. You ever gotten a call like that? I committed a terrible sin in my life one day. My wife and I stayed at this resort. (laughs) You know, we were pinching pennies. And we got one of these offers like, if you'll come and you'll stay at this, we'll let you stay and you'll get a free radio. Boy, what a cheapy radio it was, too. <laughs> that thing didn't last half a week. But it, we got a free weekend. You know, we needed a place to stay, so we went. And you had to listen to the spill, and, you know, we, we buy this and buy that. And I said, no, no, we're just here because we, we need the weekend. You know, I ain't buying nothing. We couldn't buy anything. But it was a deep mistake. Because that was 25 years ago, I'm still getting the call. Hello. (laughs) And Satan is like a telemarketer. He never gives up. He never gives up. He will keep ringing your number. Once he's got your number, I guarantee you, you are in the book. And he will never stop calling your number. I remember one of these telemarketers, you know, first part of it is all computer. And then if you hang on long enough, they'll let you talk with a real person, but only when they think you maybe you're going to buy something. So one day I hung on, got through the computer, 
because I was so wanting them to stop calling me. And I finally got up a live human being, and they thought I was about to buy something. And I began to plead with them, would you please take me off your stupid list? I don't want to be called. And it just went in one ear and right out the other. And they kept going with their, their spill. It's like I didn't even say it. And then I said, did you hear what I just said? Oh, yes, sir, I heard what you said. Now, the plan that we'd like to get you with. That's the way the enemy is. He is relentless. He never gives up. And if you take a step toward God, if you make a step toward serving God, if you make a step toward getting away from an out of sinful habit, I can assure you like a telemarketer, Satan is coming back. He's calling you again. So what does that mean? You need to build up your defenses. You need to get ready. I want to tell you, one of the most powerful things you can do is fill your arsenal with the Word of God. Build up your arsenal of weapons of the warfare that are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, and arm yourself with key scriptures from the Word of God that will help you when the enemy comes And says, you need to go back to pornography. You need to go back to sexual immorality. You need to go back and enjoy some of those sinful habits that you used to enjoy. You know, when Satan tempts you, he always reminds you of the wonderful part or the enjoyable part. But he never shows you the heartache and the destroyed families. He never shows you the crushed children and the destroyed lives of sin. He just shows you the tantalizing part of sin. So prepare yourself. You will be tested. And I've encouraged you in this area before, but I'm going to say it again. Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8, two powerful passages that can arm, you can arm yourself. Now, that's not the only places that you can arm yourself, but what powerful passages... Let's just read just a portion from Romans chapter 6. These are great things. You can personalize these and declare these when these thoughts run through your mind and you're thinking about going back to those old habits. Well then, and I, I, when I read it, I'm going to read it personalized. I'm going to apply this to my personal life. Well then, should I keep on sinning so that God can show me more and more wonderful grace? Of course not. I have died to sin. How could I possibly live in it? Or have I forgotten that I was joined with Christ Jesus in baptism and I joined him in his death? For I died and I was buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now I may also live a new life. Since I have been united with him in his death, I will also be raised to life as he was. I know that my sinful, my old sinful self, it was crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power in my life. I am no longer a slave to sin. For when I died with Christ, I was set free from the power of sin. Take that 
scripture and personalize it. And allow yourself to use that. When those lies come that encourage you to get back into sin, and they will come, use the Word of God. Romans chapter 8. And I, I'm not going to go to too many more, but Romans you know, both 6 and 8. I'd love to read the whole chapter, but just a little portion of Romans 8. Same thing. Verse 5 through 9. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature... Think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, we think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting, your spirit, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature, it's always hostile to God. It's never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature, you can never please God. But, and here's where I personalize it, I am not controlled by my sinful nature. I am controlled by the Spirit. And if I have the Spirit of God living in me, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in do not belong to Him at all. That's true. You don't belong to him. You don't have the spirit of God living in you. And you have no defenses. You have no defenses to stand against the enemy. So the next thing I would say to you about overcoming, overcoming sinful habits. And that is practice being in God's presence. I can't stress this enough. I would call this maintenance work. Now, the other, building yourself up the the, uh, word of God, that's preventive. That's building up your defenses. That's getting your muscles strong. But if you want to prevent going back to your old life, learn to practice enjoying the presence of God. You see, if you get up every morning... Every morning, every morning, and seek God and spend time with Him, enjoying His presence. You're going to be a whole lot less likely to go back to your old sinful habits. That's just the truth. If you love getting up in the morning, and it's one of those things where once you do it, and the more you do it, the more you love it, And then what happens is you will begin to get used to, not just used to, but you look forward to getting up early and spending time with him. Two two passages, so powerful. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight... And the law of the Lord, and I love this, meditating on it day and night. Meditating is learning to joy God's presence. That's the meditating on God's word. They are like trees planted along the river, bur- river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. You want to prosper in all you do? Get up early and seek God. Last passage, Psalm 63. Just again, a couple of verses. Oh God, 
you're my God early. Now, I'm a big advocate early. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. That's this place. <laughs> That's America. <laughs> We're in a dry and weary, thirsty land. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because of your love and kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Joyful lips. Practice enjoying God's presence. You know, you know, you might have somebody to say, if you love God... You need to get up in the morning and see God's word and read God's word and see God's face. And then almost make it look like or seem like it's like, if you don't do this, you don't love God. And I just want to say this. It's not one of these obligation things. It's not one of these things like, I've got to get up. If I love God, I've got to get up. It's not like that. Learn to enjoy. Learn to enjoy God's presence. And if it's just a short time with the Lord, 10, 15 minutes, maybe an hour. You know, our lives change. We go through seasons in our life and you have more time available and sometimes you have less time available. That's just the reality. You got kids. You got a lot of kids. (laughs) You got to steal every moment you can. To be alone with God. But you can still set aside time. I just want to encourage you today. You can be free from sinful habits. There's some people in this room. As I've been preaching. You've been convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know there's sinful habits in your life. And you struggled in certain areas. And you know, maybe some of you have struggled for years. Years. In certain areas of your life. And some of you have reached a point where you say, you know, I don't know if I can ever get set free. I just want to tell you that's a lie. You can be set free this morning. You can be totally and completely set free this morning. You can break the power of sin in your life. And it starts by being born again. Jesus died on the cross. We sang about it this morning. He died on the cross. He was sinless. He shed his incorruptible blood. Born of a virgin, making his blood incorruptible. Sinless. And he shed his blood. And his blood was placed on the altar in heaven for your sins paying the price for your sins and you can be forgiven of your sin and you can have the power of sin broken in your life today I wonder if there's some people in this room who've been fighting sinful habits 
Now, you either fall into two groups, one of two groups. One, you're not born again. You need Jesus. Or, you're born again, and you've fallen into sinful habits. And they're slowly but surely destroying your destiny. Stealing from you what God has called you to do. And today, Jesus cares about all of you. Whether you're a born-again Christian who has sinful habits or whether you're not born again. You're one of those we read about when we read 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and 5 where it says the God of this world, he's blinded your mind. But this morning, God has opened your mind. That's the way we prayed. I believe that's what has happened. God has opened your mind and you see the truth. Now you have to choose to walk in that truth. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you don't mind, I'd like to just ask you to bow your heads. I'd like to pray this morning. I want to pray for God to move in a mighty way. I'm going to ask you just to be reverent. We'll be out in just a moment. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of men and women in this room. And Lord, if there are people in this room and they don't know you, they've never been born again. They've never given their lives to you and been born again. Never had their sins forgiven. Lord, today I pray that you would put it on their heart that today is the day. Today is the day they surrender to you. Today is the day where they allow you to forgive, that they allow you to forgive them of their sin and and come in and birth in them a brand new life. And Lord, I also pray for Christians in this room who have been fighting sinful habits. And they want to be set free. They're tired of those ropes that hold them and bind them, that steal their destiny. Lord, I pray that today, Holy Spirit, you've opened the eyes of the blind. In the powerful, powerful name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, draw men and women to you today. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, cause there to be a drawing and draw our hearts to you, Lord. Those who don't know you, Lord, they would be drawn to come to that point to where they would know you. And those who are caught in sinful habits, they want to be set free, Lord. They know you, and yet they're caught. I pray, Father, that today they would be set free by the power of your Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the worship team, we're going to sing that song we sang earlier. What a powerful name. What a powerful name. What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name is the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. The 
set free from sinful habits this morning. You're born again, but you want to be set free from sinful habits. You want to have that power of sin broken in your life. I'm going to ask you to make your way down. I'm going to ask you to stand right down in this area of here. If you need to be born again, I'm going to ask you to come and stand right here. I want to pray with you to be born again. You want to have sinful habits broken? Stand right over here on my left. You want to be born again? I'm going to ask you to stand right here in front of me. Anybody else? Come on. You want to have the power of sin broken in your life. Come on. A lot of people here, you need to, you need to be set free. It is the name. We're going to wait just a minute. Jesus, what a powerful name it is. It is the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Okay, first I'm going to pray with this group here. If you should be down here you don't have you just didn't make it down here I'm going to ask you to just agree with me and pray out loud with me stretch out your hand if you would we're going to pray for the power of sin to be broken those sinful habits to the power to be broken thank you Lord thank you Lord I'm going to lead you in a prayer and that prayer is going to include what we talked about it's going to include repentance and when we pray repentance, there's, there is forgiveness and the breaking of the power of sin in your life. Pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I confess my sin. I failed, fallen short, made mistakes. I've sinned, Lord. I've made wrong choices. I've sinned against the holy God. Heavenly Father, I claim the blood of Jesus as my forgiveness. Break the power of sin in my life. The power of sin is broken in the name of Jesus. Sin, you have no power over me. You cannot force me. You cannot control me. In the name of Jesus... Sin is broken in my life. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I have been set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I will walk in that. Teach me, Lord. Build up my defenses in the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. 
I will not, I will not, I will not entertain sin. I reject it. When it comes to my thoughts, I reject it. I'm going to walk in your ways, Lord. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for helping me. In the power of the Holy Spirit, help me to walk it out, Lord, and to spend time with you, enjoying your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hang on, we're going to pray. New life here. These four young people. I'm just going to ask you, young people, if you would just pray out loud with me. It's a little different prayer. We're going to ask God to take over in your life, cause you to be born again. Pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus Christ had died for my sin. Come into my heart. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Forgive me of my sin by the blood of Jesus. I am born again because I have believed in the name of Jesus. I give you my life. I declare you Lord of my life. I will never be the same. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for coming in and taking charge of my life. Thank you, Lord. Help me to walk it out, Lord, every day to walk in you. Thank you, Lord, for a brand new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Bless your heart. Amen.